0: You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment Production. This episode... We're locating the danger zone in Fab Facts. There's romance afoot in the jungle in The randomizer. And we have director Samuel Clements joining us for an interview... Oh, that's all coming up in pod 193. ...of the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Action!
1: Get started.
0: Let's go.
2: Spectrum is green.
0: The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Well, hello there. Oh, well, hello. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, yeah, I am not so bad. How are you doing? Good You yes. are talking to me, are you? Or well, I was actually the... talking to the, the podster on this thing. Oh, I'm oh sure, but, uh,
3: Okay, I'll wait. Ha- no, it's fine, Richard, uh, oh. because they nodded uh, happily because they're listening oh. to the Gerry Anderson podcast. Uh, yes. Now, how are you, Richard James?
0: Ah, oh, right. Well, I'm fine too. How are you, Jamie Anderson? I
3: am also uh, fine. Thank you very Good. much. Good. And I don't know if you can see over there, but we... What? Uh, ...have another guest. Now, if I didn't oh, know yeah. who it was um who is we'd that? be in trouble because you who? may see he's wearing a Zelda from Terra Hawks mask. He, he he is. I mean who who's under that mask? well who It's Chris it Dale, isn't it? The randomized.
0: Oh. yeah, of course it is. Yes, yeah, so I could see now. Yeah, so Chris is I could tell by his unruly gait.
3: That that is the one thing that gives him away is not being Zelda. He's leaning but,
0: on it now, isn't he? Look, you can see.
3: But he is currently uh recreating very very carefully the action scene uh with the space samurai from the Terra Hawks episode Space Samurai. Yeah. Um he So he's positioned his cubes. He's built this amazing papier-mâché wall. Amazing. I mean, it looks fantastic. Too I knew he yeah. loved Terrorhawks, but I didn't realise he yeah. loved it that much. Uh, so good luck, uh, Chris slash Zelda. We'll see you later on.
0: Um, I mean, can, can I just say, um, is, can we get hold of one of those amazing masks well, anywhere? Or? <laughs> Look you at know, you. Just, aren't you well-trained? Yeah. Look at <laughs> your
3: media training kicking in. Uh, you certainly can. That's why he's wearing it, really. It's all a marketing ploy. Oh. Uh, but we'll tell you about the Zelda mask uh, in the news a bit later, which will come in a little yeah. while. Well, there'll also be the randomizer when Chris has finished doing his massive yes. reconstruction but yes. uh, Richard James what else can listeners to this podcast expect
0: well I mean you've already told them about two things haven't you the news and the randomizer. Yeah, so that's pretty two much half of well I mean there's fab facts I suppose if you really want to mention that yes I do want to mention uh, that thank you uh, there's also the first part of. Uh, is it Ben or are you interviewing Samuel? It's Clemens? my interview with Samuel Clemens. Is it? Yes. Oh, you're, you're you're pulling your weight this week, I. That's, once, that's yes, good. Yes, and hear. that's
3: yeah. not insubstantial weight, I'll tell you. Now, Ooh. Sam is the son of Brian Clemens, he of Avengers and other fame. Oh, uh, yes. Right. So it's a really lovely chat because, mm-hmm. you know, both with past uh, passed on late fathers. i uh, Not of sure course. what you used the word there. Uh, yeah. But so yeah, both, both of us shared the fact that we've lost a, a famous father and we're, you know, kind of working in the same industry. So there's lots of, yeah. lot of stuff there. And of course, he's directing the new Thunderbirds audios and Stingray, oh. which you've heard for the last couple of weeks. So it's a lovely yes. natural progression, isn't it?
0: It is, yes, which is unusual for this podcast. <laughs> it's normally, clunky as hell. Absolutely, yeah. And, of course, finally, thank heavens mm. our Podstrons have been in touch oh, again. Oh, few. yes. Uh, what would we do without them? They've been emailing us at podcast at gerryanderson.com. They've also been commenting on our Facebook group. Just search for uh, Jerry Anderson Podcast official listeners group on Facebook. Uh, they've been tweeting us and hashtagging us, Jerry Anderson Podcast, tagging me, Richard N. James. Him over there, I'm Jamie Anderson. And him over there, I now know who's under that uh, Zelda mask it's chris dalek and they've also been commenting on our youtube channel as well beneath our uh, previous podcasts and fab facts sections too so i shall be reading all of those out as we progress i can't wait <laughs> it's exciting isn't it yeah
3: but i and everybody else will have to wait for all those things because yes. most importantly of all yes we're yes, going yes. straight into this week's fab facts oh, go on now time for this week's fab facts it's fab facts where i have a book of fab facts here's me slapping said book and uh oh was a bit loud sorry it was i'm gonna flick through the book which is gonna shout fab at a random point during said flicking that will stop me from flicking and on that page i'm sure we will happen upon a fab fact are you ready richard james uh yeah go on good and are you ready potter very good then i will begin flicking now fab now Thumb got a bit stuck there.
4: Oh, We didn't get
3: quite as far through as I thought, but we did get through some way. So today's Fab Fact, Richard James, is about
0: unfilmed rescues. Unfilmed rescues? Well,
3: perhaps we should say rescues yet to be enacted.
0: Oh, I see. It's not like that time I came round to fix your washing machine. (laughs) I don't
3: think that was caught film. Uh, well, I'm glad it wasn't. Uh, yeah. People would pay for it, I'm sure. Anyway, the uh, highly original premise of Thunderbirds, of course, as you'll know, is that the Tracy family can rush to the scene of any disaster anywhere in the world thanks to Brain's high-tech machines.
0: Yeah.
3: In the original 32 episodes and the two films, International Rescue went to The Sun, to mm-hmm. the Arctic regions, to jungles, to deserts, into oceans, the Empire State Building. That's just to name a few. Yeah. But since then... There's been a 2004 film and, of course, a 2015 series, plus various books and comics. Uh, Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Venus. It may seem like International Rescue has been everywhere, but that's not quite the case. During the long development of the aforementioned live-action film from 2004... Hmm. There were over 25 different drafts of the screenplay by at least eight different contributors, resulting in a shooting script that was, by some accounts, about 400 pages long.
0: (laughs) Wow. As opposed to what? What's the usual length we might expect? (laughs) Well, a page a minute, so 90 90 to uh, Mm. 100
3: minutes, maybe? 100 pages, something like that? (laughs) Uh, Maybe more for a longer one, but obviously, yeah, yeah, not 400, certainly not. Um, A side effect of that process was that there were a lot of ideas tossed out and uh, and junked. Some of those included disasters at Big Ben, ah. Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. and uh, Le Tour Eiffel.
0: Uh, better known as the Eiffel Tower. The Eiffel
3: Tower, if you're not yeah. being an idiot, yeah. Sorry. Um, or French. Oh, very rude. We've got some French listeners, you know. Anyway, uh, these are all landmarks which were never the site of a, an original series, Danger Zone, as you all know. Yeah. There was, of course, a Big Ben Central episode of Captain Scarlet, and both Mount Rushmore and the Eiffel Tower would play prominent roles in the definitely non-Anderson production of uh, Team America World Police. (laughs) Uh, There was also more than one Thunderbird screenplay to take place on the moon, uh, a setting that would later be used in ITV's Thunderbirds Argo and had previously popped up in various TV21 Thunderbird stories.
0: Okay, but yeah. we
3: want to know from you, Podsterons. what locations or landmarks do you think would be perfect for a Thunderbird story? Hmm. We'll take your suggestions very seriously. Hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, you never know, they might turn up somewhere later on. But do send your ideas in to podcast at gerryanderson.com or pop them in the Podsterons Facebook group. Yes! Uh, Facebook.com slash groups slash Podsterons. That's a nice one. I think, I'm sure, one of the original... 2004 film precursor scripts. Yeah, was a plot by the Hood to suck out the Earth's atmosphere and transfer it to the Moon <laughs> right, via some sort of a okay. giant pipe, I believe.
0: For any particular reason? Well, just because he was the Hood.
3: Yeah, just for a bit of fun, really. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think he yeah. wanted to live on the Moon and, you know, needed to borrow yeah, some atmosphere. Yeah, no atmosphere. Yeah, fair what enough. what did you do? So, yeah, but I wonder if we had a complete list of every location and type of location where the gaps would be. Um, I'm sure mm. Postrons will have an idea, so do email us in and let us know your thoughts.
0: Yeah, I mean, I've got a couple of ideas if you want me to share. Oh, go on then. Well, I mean, was there ever a rescue mounted at the Grand Canyon? See, that'd be quite dramatic.
3: That would be great. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Most of my answers to this is now going to be, I don't know. Yeah,
0: and what about the deepest hole in the world? Isn't there a, a man-made hole somewhere? That's considered the deepest hole in the world. Oh, I'm probably. not sure if it's a mine or if it's an a open a, cast quarry, or I, I, I don't it was know. an Arctic or drilling, an Arctic thing, drilling but it's, thing,
3: but it's like eight centimeters wide, isn't it? So, oh well, <laughs>
0: yeah, but they're only really puppets. <laughs> Even the puppets aren't <laughs> going to fit down an eight centimeter <laughs> hole, Richard. <laughs> but that'd be quite good, wouldn't it? The yeah, deepest yeah. hole in the world.
3: Oh, it'd be great. Yeah, no, you some sort of very, very deep underground yeah. uh, disaster. I mean, mm. Gemini Force One Ghost Mine mm-hmm. was set in a in a in a gold mine. Um, and they are very, very deep down, huge distances and very claustrophobic. So, yeah, that exists in uh, Anderson canon.
0: Yes. I mean, also, I have to say uh, a little thing that I've been working on recently, Jamie, that I forwarded you a couple of weeks ago that is now complete. Mm. Yes. Uh, also, just looking through those those list of rescues there uh, done by the, the Tracy brothers, it's... Uh, on the various planets and locations that they uh, visited. Very similar to the uh, you know the things that I've been working on. Oh, Interesting, really? Yeah. yeah.
3: Fascinating. I shall say no more. No, best not. But mm. we will say more in a few weeks' time, probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. Let's see how we go. Anyway, there you go. I think that's rather fab, isn't
0: it? Oh, I think so, yeah. Good. Not bad.
3: Uh, then that brings us clunkily, as usual, to the end of this week's...
0: Rescue, Rescue Facts. Yeah, uh, Of course it had to be, didn't it? Rescue <laughs> Facts, yeah. I wonder no, what our hit rate is on the end of those fab facts. Probably about do you think? Uh, Yeah, probably about the same as the hit rate for the actual facts themselves. Uh,
3: Okay, we'll move
0: on. Thank you. Anyway, now look, I'm going to head on (laughs) over to our our email post bag, uh, because we've had quite a few this week sent into No, podcast at jerryannison.com. There you go. This one's from Natasha, who said, Hello, podcast people. I suspect that's you, me and Chris. She says, Do you know if there will be a Stingray episodes-only version of the Blu-ray in future? As I've spoken to some Podstrons, and they've expressed an interest in owning just the basic version. Um, Thank you, Natasha.
3: Well, I don't know for sure yet, but if you look at Network's past releases, normally it's special editions followed by a vanilla release, as ah. they call it. Now, the vanilla yep. release tends not to have any special features on it, it is literally episodes only. Yeah. So I shall forewarn you now that I have just watched the Making of Stingray documentary on the Blu ray disc on the special edition which is Mm. called we're about to launch stingray of course (laughs) um by chris dale and it is absolutely fantastic it's a 40 minuter it's a beauty i think that's exclusive information um so if you do wait for the vanilla disc you probably won't see that which is rather a shame that's all i shall say but for some people they just want the episodes and that is absolutely fine
0: yeah but you're kind of saying why would you just want the episodes
3: Well, no, I'm just saying I would hate for you to go, oh, in that case, I'll wait and then miss out and not realise you were going to miss out on the documentary. But if you don't want the doc, then that's great. You're all sorted. Mm. Wait for the vanilla one probably three months after the main release, I would expect.
0: Yeah. Uh, Andre got in touch to say, hi, esteemed GA podcasters. (laughs) can't be nice. There must be Uh, another
3: GA podcast.
0: (laughs) He says you asked in pod 190 uh, for feedback on a possible live podcast in April to tie in with the concert. Uh, Andre says, I live locally, only about 25 minutes from Birmingham City Centre, so I could easily make either the Friday evening or Saturday daytime. Any thoughts on a venue yet, or whether it will be ticketed? I was at the last live recording at the Leicester Space Centre, and attending another one would be fun. I am, of course, already booked for the concert and really looking forward to it. Nice choice of venue. The acoustics there are excellent oh they are absolutely gorgeous mm. so what about this live podcast any uh, uh, further yes. thoughts
3: yes 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 i've been chatting mm. to uh producer ben Page this morning about that oh, yeah. very thing and he's currently uh in talks with a couple of venues they'll be pretty oh, central pretty. that's all i can say um great we'll be ticketed um just because we want to make sure that if people really want to come they sort of they're committed to it um, yeah. So then we can say when we're full or when we're not, whatever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, more news on that probably in the next two weeks, I would estimate, by the end of Feb.
0: Rightio, he's uh, also got a technical question. By the way, it says, Andre, I mentioned this in the Facebook group, but it probably got overlooked. I wonder if you could ask whoever finalises the MP3 master files for the podcast RSS feed to return to embedding the individual episode cover artwork images and also include the other title, artist, album, etc. data within the metadata tags. There's nothing at all in the tag data these days, and it looks really bland in a regular audio player software to just show the raw file name. So what's happened there, do you think?
3: Do you, want to, do you want to make that uh, any less clear for uh, non-technical <laughs> listeners? No. Uh, we. I think Ben's been in touch uh, with Andre about this. It's actually the player that ah. uh, is not pulling the metadata down. All the stuff is in there. Mm. It's just not pulling it. We don't know why. So no. um, uh, ah, we're, we're already doing your thing you requested.
0: Yeah. Uh, hi, Jamie, Richard, and Chris, if he's still there, says... Uh, Uh, This is from Hannah, I think. I just want to make a little shout-out to my dad, she says, who shares shares the same birthday as Gordon Tracy on the 14th of February. So, uh, what's that, a week or so just gone. Uh, He doesn't have copper-coloured hair, but personality-wise, he is a bit like Gordon. He likes to have fun, enjoys life, and takes his job seriously when at work. This Christmas time just gone, my dad treated me to a few Thunderbird-themed gifts, including the new calendar. He always knows what I love, and he lets me enjoy them. Happy birthday to my dad and gordon tracy
3: Ah, oh, well happy belated birthday both <laughs> of you and what a pair of aquanauts they are
0: yeah quite right uh, we've also got uh, an audio file we love audio messages from our listeners quite easy to do just record on your phone or any bit of recording equipment you've got as long as it's an mp3 or a wav file or something you can email it to podcast at and we'll play it out this one is a message from dr beaker courtesy of cameron stewart let's have a listen dear jamie richard and chris from the entire supercar
5: team at Black Rock, let me pass on our congratulations to you for having almost completed 200 episodes. To be kept abreast of news in the Gerry Addison world and to have so many fab facts is most satisfying to listen to whilst, um, conducting my experiments. Not to mention, Chris Dale's randomizer has given me the opportunity to reminisce about many of our adventures. We hope to attend the Barry Gray concert this April and the live recording of the podcast. However, I believe it would be in our best interests if we were to leave Mitch in Nevada. Who knows what chaos he could get up to during the concert. All the best, Dr Horatio Beaker.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Baker. Yeah, personal message. Glad to hear he's not bringing uh, Mitch the monkey with him.
3: Well, even if he did, he wouldn't be allowed in. Now, can I just say, Ah. uh, unless it's, uh, you know, a guide dog or similar, then no animals allowed. Oh, fair enough. the concert. Thank you. Yeah, that's right.
0: Now, finally, Jamie, I was watching The Chase this week, as I do. Oh, no. It's a daytime quiz show. I think it's sort of worldwide, so wherever you're listening, you've probably heard of The Chase. And there was a question on there, uh, and it said the Thunderbird Boys were named after five of the seven Gemini astronauts. So that's Virgil, Scott, uh, Gordon, Allen, And John. And, uh, but she says, what were the other two called? So there were seven Gemini astronauts, but only five of them share names with the Tracy brothers. Yes. So who were the other two?
3: Oh, well, I, I mean, I can tell you that, I think. Yeah? Go on. Is it Ed White and... Mm. Uh, oh, God, what was the guy's name? Um... No, the other one's gone.
0: Mm. Well, the answer that the uh, the chaser gave was uh, Wally and Deke. Oh. Yeah. I mean, who am I going to trust, you or Anne Hegarty, the governess?
3: <laughs> I wouldn't mess with uh, with Anne Hegarty, that's for
0: sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny, there's very often questions on uh, Thunderbirds and... Captain Scarlet and various other Jerry Anderson productions on, on The Chase and Tipping Point and all those sort of shows that I tend to watch when I've got nothing else to do. But finally, you know how they say, Jamie, go big or go home, don't they? Well, this week... They do. ...for Quick 5 5, I'm saying go early or go home and here's an early oh, Quick Fire Five 5 this week from Simon Allen. <laughs> Are you ready for these, Jamie? Now, I want you to give these serious consideration. Don't just jump for what you think might be the obvious answer or the answer that you expect or I expect you to give. Think about these. Ready? Yes. Would Jamie rather sit in a bath of cold baked beans or watch a Joe 19 marathon? Seriously.
3: Depends how long a marathon is and how long I have to sit in the bath of baked beans, obviously. <laughs> I mean, if the, Well, if let's the...
0: say it's a similar time period.
3: Ah... Uh... And mm. am, I, uh, am I am I nude doing either well, of these things? <laughs>
0: well, you could wear your, you could be wearing your officer or a, or in underpants I think for the, uh, the bait beans
3: for the bath. Okay. Yeah.
0: Uh, all right. Mm. I'll watch Joe. <sighs> no. Uh, would you rather go bog snorkeling or watch a Joe ninety marathon? <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, I've never been bog snorkeling. That sounds quite no. fun.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, would you rather listen to an hour of Simon Allen's jokes or watch a Joe Ninety marathon? Oh, Joe
3: Ninety, I think, yeah, is absolutely I the winner. So. There. <laughs> there you go.
0: Uh, would you rather go in the Gunge Tank or watch a Joe Ninety marathon? Um,
3: <laughs> or oh, like the Gunge Tank off of uh, Noel's house party? That's it. Yeah. Well, again, it's the first time for everything. I'd love yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Me up.
0: But finally, would you rather watch a Joe Ninety marathon or a Torchy marathon?
3: Ah, oh, what? Oh. Uh, if they were similar lengths, I would go Joe yeah. 90. If it was if it was a similar number of episodes, torture you because it's much shorter. <laughs> so I'll go with Joe on the assumption that the overall marathon is the same.
0: Ah, there you go. Woo! Very good. Thank you, Simon Allen, for sending those in this week. I think we'll have some more from Tom Hodden next week just to make life a bit easier for you. Mm.
3: <laughs> oh, thank you. That's Not. very kind. Mm. Lovely.
0: There we are. Uh, so that's all the emails for this week. Uh, I'll be coming back a little le- later with uh, your various Facebook posts and Twitterings and YouTube comments too. Good. Well, I look forward to all those things. While yeah. we wait
3: for those, and to help pass the time, shall we have some Jerry Anderson news? Because there's oh. quite a lot
0: of news this week. Oh, well, let's get on with it then. Here's the news. Quick.
3: Richard James. Yes? Come on, give me a really epic intro for this one. Newsy, news, news, news. Oh, that was very um Peter. Peter uh, Dickinson. Do I mean Dickinson no, Dixon?
0: No, Dixon. You mean you Peter mean, you mean the, Peter Dickinson is the cheapest chips, antiques, mahogany tan. What's David Dickinson. Lovejoy. Oh, <laughs> Peter Dickinson's well, brother. No, yeah, yeah, Peter Dixon. Peter Dixon is who you mean. Yes, the X Factor voice.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Ollie Murs, Rachel Adadeji. Okay. That's, That's the one. Yeah. Anyway, with, newsy, news, news, news. <laughs> <laughs> we've gone well off topic. Anyway. Sorry, sorry. I'm very excited because this week's been quite exciting for news, mm. which just explains my excitement. Anyway, yeah. stand by for action. Jerry Anson in concert to be hosted by the marvellous John Colshaw, our voice of Parker, yeah. and uh, Jeff Tracy. Now, he's the man I've been talking about all this blooming time. Uh, we've just been trying to sort of sort details out and fix everything yeah. up. So that's all very, very exciting. He's going to be brilliant. He's going to be at the VIP meet and greet uh, along with... Uh, well, today's interviewee, actually, Sam Clemens, uh, oh, you, yeah. Richard James, I believe Chris oh, Dale, yeah. uh, probably Nick Briggs, Richard Harvey, Crispin Morell and <gasps> others. So Great. that's very exciting. Now, those names I've mentioned, Richard Harvey is conducting Standby for Action, Jerry Anson Concert. Mm-hmm. And Crispin Morell is our guest pianist throughout the night. He's going to be brilliant. Now, Richard is writing a brand new, exciting Terrahawks suite, which I've heard oh. a preview of. It's gorgeous. Um, Crispin is doing brand new reorchestrations of Space Precinct Lavender Castle and New Captain Scarlet it's a full on night all the Barry Gray stuff's in there goodness me it's going to be gorgeous yeah I do hope you can make it that's all I can say really yeah Uh, if you want to have a look at how to get tickets and more information you can go to jerryanderson.com slash concert and uh do grab your tickets they are shifting much much quicker now they are probably well i suspect going to be sold out by mid march which maybe mm-hmm. seems a little way away yet for, for you mm-hmm. but um it's going to come around mighty fast yep uh now the night before the concert uh on the 15th of april we are going to have a screening of the documentary Jerry Anderson a life uncharted at the birmingham electric now That is the UK's oldest working cinema, so it feels like a great place to have a Gerry Hansen. Oh, yeah. And that screening follows the Global Première at the BFI, that's the British Film Institute, for those of you uh, not au fait with said three-letter acronym, uh, the BFI South Bank. Tickets will go on sale for both of these events later this month we will give you links and stuff across our social media you may also have seen the poster online for the joe documentary which i think is yeah, very work. sweet beautiful work by marcus stamps there really lovely stuff i'm very excited now the premiere at the bfi there will be a q a afterwards with ben the director and with me so you can ask us any questions about what you've learned in the documentary and trust me you're going to learn a lot you are going wow. to walk away with a new appreciation for for Jerry Anderson, a new appreciation for all Anderson productions, and you're going to be able to watch them afresh through a new lens, changing your view of them forever. And when I say changing, it's really kind of getting you into the, that's why that's there. Oh, now I understand oh. this character dynamic. Oh, now I get why X, wow. Y, Z. I'm not going to give you too many details, yeah. but it, it's, sure. it's very affecting, and I think you're you're going to deepen your connection with all things Anderson through this documentary, so I hope you'll come and see it. Uh, more national date locations to be announced. Uh, we're going to try and take the, uh, the screenings all over the country, so we'll try oh, great. and uh, make sure we've, we're showing it at a cinema near you, wherever you are in the UK. If you're further afield, uh, more announcements on that to come very soon, uh, courtesy uh, of our distribution partner. Yes?
0: Now, firstly, I have to say, it seems wholly appropriate that uh, it's uh, premiering at the BFI, oh, yes. given Jerry's. Uh, Love of three letter acronyms. Absolutely. BMI, and of film. Yeah, that's right. Uh, but secondly, does that? I mean, people all around the country—is it worth them getting in touch with their local sort of independent picture house or cinema and saying, "Have you heard about this? Oh, can yeah. you get it?" You know, so it's worth them phoning or emailing their local cinema. Probably not the bigger chains that we all know. No, but it's independent. It's, we
3: want to we want to go yeah. and support independent cinemas. That's right. So yeah. If you've got an independent near you where you'd like to see it, just give them mm. a call. Mm. Um, and tell them they can they can get uh, rights from the Format Factory, or they can just email us at the podcast to be honest but we'll get, yeah. uh, get things sorted so great yes we'd love to come to a cinema near you that's very exciting other exciting things have been going on of course now if you've been in the USA waiting for your Space 1999 Moonbase Alpha Technical Operations Manual Special Edition and oh, you've, yeah. you've been thinking where has it been? it's been Hang so on. long yeah. well yeah. I'm very pleased to say they are now in the US and on their way to you in fact probably lots of you listening right now will already have them in your hands thank goodness I'm so sorry for the delay. What a disaster it's been. Everything in terms of logistics, shipping costs going up by over 200%. Um, We had all of the items returned back to our warehouse without explanation before Christmas. They then got stuck in customs this side. Then we went and sent them back out again to the US. They got stuck in customs there for over two weeks. It's been really tricky. But... They are now all out. They've all been shipped, and you should have them very soon. So thanks for your patience. That marks the start of our new activity in the United States. We've opened a fulfillment center in Ohio. So that means very shortly we will have a U.S. specific site or site list at shop.jerryanston.com. You'll be redirected there if you're visiting from North America, and that will show you what's in stock at that warehouse, so you know that stuff will get to you more cost-effectively, uh, and more ah, quickly than ever before Nice, so,
0: well done Yes,
3: I'm very excited about that So that includes yeah. special edition uh, Sorry, not standard edition Moonbase Alpha technical manuals UFO anthologies Clothing, books, CDs and more Which is uh, uh, probably in the air Right this minute, I would say Lovely. So that's very exciting there's three new t-shirt designs out today a mix of Thunderbirds and Space 1999 Uh, so have a look at uh, shop.jerryanderson.com for those and also finally the reason why Chris Dale is prancing around in his Zelda mask doing this uh, this, uh, recreation which looks beautiful is that we have finally received the shipment of our Zelda masks uh, which yeah, were manufactured yes. in china which got st- stuck stuck in the air freight disasters out there and they're now here they're great i've got one here i love it i have to say i was a bit worried it wasn't going to be a good enough likeness of zelda but i think it's absolutely right. great and i've been wearing it oh, around the house this morning
0: um, i'm sure you have
3: yes uh, taking what, selfies those Zoom meetings you've been in the having, mirror yeah. yes well it, it certainly makes them end more quickly uh, so yeah. there's, there's only 300 of them. Uh, we're never going to make any more. Uh, it's a bit of a special one-off fun thing. They're 39.99. So for what they are, you know, they're not terribly expensive, but they are great. A great way to scare your, ch- your chums, or even just to leave in yeah. a box. Uh, looks like you've got a head in a box in the house, which is very, <laughs> very creepy. So there you go There's Zelda um, There's probably more stuff going on But I think with all the concert And the documentary And all that sort of stuff Crikey Busy busy That's enough isn't it So Yeah oh, I need a breather That is the end of this week's Jerry Anderson News That was the news More than
0: enough News <laughs> Your,
3: More than enough news is a great summary
0: <laughs> Isn't it, yeah Woo. Well, what a busy time And, you know, it's often said, isn't it But there's been no better time to be a Jerry Anderson fan, really In terms of uh, seeing new material Finding out new stuff about Jerry himself Being able to gather at last Together and enjoy concerts and cinemas To download new audio adventures To order new books I mean, it's just There's a plethora of stuff out there, isn't there?
3: Yes, plethora. We, we need, we need a more Anderson-esque word than plethora, but plethora will will be a good <laughs> placeholder.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. Uh, now you're listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Please, please, please uh subscribe to us i mean if you haven't why not do it right now as you're listening to us just hit that little button there subscribe to us on whichever platform you're listening to us on leave us a lovely review or a rating let us know uh how we're doing we might even read it out on a future podcast and also copy that link and post it on all your socials i see gary hodgkinson does it every week on his facebook stories which is lovely uh let your friends know what you're listening to and they might join in the fun too now over on our facebook group uh, a couple of our podstrons have having a a rather difficult time recently and I know they won't mind me mentioning this Uh, Stuart James Lusher for example said morning Podstrons I thought I'd let everyone know I'm having a bit of a sad day today as my granddad passed away six years ago on this day but I'm going to listen to the next episode of the podcast right now love and hugs to you all Uh, well straight back to you Stuart and I hope hope things are picking up a little bit I'd also like to pay tribute to Luna who does so much in the Facebook group and recently lost her dad now I know the world of Gerry Anderson and the Podstron's means so much to you Luna and we all send you uh, love and best wishes as well Uh, but of course whenever you're down you can always rely on the Podstron's to run to the rescue for example this week mm, our moderator Louise asked if you were a Gerry Anderson character who would you be and why Uh, now He's from China, it's Paul Hyder, said, uh, Joe 90, I've got the glasses, I just need someone else's brainwaves. Lou Dean (laughs) said, uh, well, I'd be Captain Magenta, a bit slow, has cool sunglasses and is only useful 10% of the time. Robert Pell suggested that he would be Commander Shaw because we share the same characteristics, overly protective of our daughters, grumpy, dogmatic and all-round good guy. Steve Andy Rogers says he'd be be Virgil, so he'd get to fly Thunderbird 2. But Laura Fishwick says Scott Tracy, so I get to fly Thunderbird 1. Peter Lippman says he'll be Zuni because he gets all the Martian delight. Polly Holt says Sistar because I'm a big ninny and can't control my wigs. Gary Hodgkinson says a background character who's an eagle pilot on Alpha. That way, okay, the job's a bit mundane because you don't get the dangerous missions, but on the upside... You don't get the dangerous missions, which I think is fair <laughs> enough. Uh, I commented, I'd be Officer Orrin because he gets all the best lines, even though I wouldn't say them myself. <laughs> nice. Now, yeah, did you. Well, uh, you know I'm a big fan of Wordle, Jamie. This is a sort of internet craze that swept the planet over the last three or four weeks. Yes. Uh, and there was an Anderson version this week. I don't know if anyone saw that on the uh, official Anderson uh, Twitter account. Yes. And a Wordle, perhaps you could call it, or Andle. Andle? Uh, And Durdle's good. Anyway, I posted it on the Facebook group as well to see how people would do. Tom Hodden got it eventually. Trevor Knight got it in two. James Johnson got it in three, but boy, it made him think. Martin Smiggy-Smith got it on the last one, but Steve Andy Rogers got it in one. Took me a while, I have to say.
3: Yes, yeah. Well, I have to admit to that being my selection. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I wanted it to be a bit unusual with the vowel... Absolutely. Um, combo in there, so yes. Well.
0: Glad you yes. enjoyed it. Well done. Yeah. Good. Uh, now, Ian Stevens has been having a tough time, but in order to cheer himself up, he said, "I purchased a new gaming PC, but I'd love to put a Jerry Anderson desktop paper on it. But I'm struggling to find anything decent online. Has anyone got one? And if so, where can you get it? I looked on the Jerry Anderson store, but I can't find anything there. It's not something they do. Maybe it's an idea for Jamie and Richard to think about. Would be really happy to pay for a really cool 4K wallpaper." Wow, now that's a thought, isn't it?
3: Yeah, digital downloads of all sorts potentially. Mm. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 an interesting one, maybe. Yeah.
0: Chris Thompson uh, sort of, you know, uh, put him in in touch with all his various creations online that he was happy for him to download. But yeah, uh, yeah, maybe some official ones on the website would be a good thing to consider. Uh, Pen Quiller says, I treated myself to the Thunderbirds Peril in Peru CD for Christmas, but held off listening to it until I was ready to start this project. So I'm now using it to keep me entertained while I work on restoring the doll's house that my dad made for me and my sister when we were small. It's appropriate. Because Thaden was probably writing the book at about the same time. Oh, nice. Yes, sweet, isn't it? Brilliant. Uh, so, yeah, all sorts going on, as usual, on our Facebook group, quizzes and streams and uh, people showing uh, their artworks. I think Roger Smith is keeping us uh, uh, up to date with his various model making and so on. Always worth a look. Just head on over to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons. Answer a few questions. You'll be let in. Uh, you could join the other, I think, 700 and... Seventy-eight, I think, at the last count. People having an enormous amount of fun every day of the week. Brilliant. Yeah.
3: Yes, do go and join it. One of the friendliest places on Facebook, or possibly on the entire internet, I would say.
0: Yeah, you, you could well be right. What? We're in the world. Yeah. All right, in the universe. Yo, curses. You yeah, one w- up to me.
3: I win. Okay. Uh, <sighs> would you like some interview, Richard James?
0: Oh, uh, not just some interview. I'd like an interview, or at least perhaps a third of an interview or a half of an interview depending on what you've got for
3: me all right i'll promise you a half of an interview
0: okay, uh, that's yeah. half an
3: entire length not just half of the conversation is in one side sure. uh, the yes. conversation is with samuel clemens um, mm. i call him sam through this i did check at the beginning just to make sure if it was okay because you know but it's ah. his professional name is samuel clemens uh, fair enough yeah. uh, so he is an actor a writer a director and a producer probably best known to Anderson fans currently is the director of the audio productions uh, like Terror from the Stars and Thunderbirds Pearl in Peru and Stingray Operation Ice Cap and Monster from the Deep and my dogs are getting excited so is that
0: what it is Uh, Eric
3: there's the Monster from the Deep funnily enough yes
0: Yeah. talk of the devil Uh, Eric
3: shush anyway while I control the dogs barely uh, you're going to get to know Sam, who is the son <laughs> of Avengers creator, Brian Clemens. Uh, he was involved in all sorts of 60s television. And uh, I'll let you listen to that now while I control the monster from the deep. over yes, to Sam. Down, boy. <laughs> down, down. Hello, my name is
5: Samuel Clemens and I am the director of a variety of the Anderson Audio uh, adaptations.
3: That is a great intro. Very concise. Do I have to call you Samuel? No, no, <laughs> absolutely don't do that. That's, uh, That's you know, being told off. Uh, you're, it's the same. See, I'm James and I'm told off, but Jamie the rest of the time. Anyway, Sam, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank uh, you this is a particularly unusual one. As we were just chatting before, there's, there's a strange parallel for me in this conversation because we are both Next generations of sons of famous dads, I guess. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. F- the famous dad club. Uh. Yeah, absolutely. I, yes. I, I've, yeah. I, I'll tell you a story about that after we finish recording because I just realized what I was going to say is not appropriate for this podcast. Anyway, so <laughs> for those listeners, we call them podsterons, who don't know who your dad is and what he did. Could you just give us a quick Big summary? Run.
5: Yeah, so uh, my dad was Brian Clemens, who uh, was an incredibly prolific writer during sort of yeah, the late 50s all the way through to sort of the noughties, I suppose, but really probably known uh, most famously for uh, the Avengers, taking it over uh, really from the Diana Rig years all the way through to the new Avengers, creating the professionals, doing the pilot for Danger Man, the Persuaders. Uh, I mean, he literally wrote for almost every single, uh, one of those sixties TV sort of espionage shows, um, apart from the Saint, cause they were filming, uh, at the same time on the same lot as uh, the Avengers. So they, they would, they, they knew each other, he knew Roger Moore and Patrick and they were good friends and all that stuff, but they, they didn't, he didn't get a chance to write for yeah. that or Doctor who either. So, yeah, but he, he, he pretty much, uh, had a hand in so many different, uh, scripts and ideas and, and, um, it's it's been nice recently I've, I've been directing tom baker who was in golden voyager sinbad which dad wrote so that was kind of fun as amazing sport, a nice circular piece to come back to and talk to tom about that but yeah so um yeah producer uh, only directed um once uh, for hammer horror but yeah his output i mean i'm still discovering things there's i'm still discovering things that he's written or that, uh, you know in the archives so yeah there's there's an enormous output
3: yes Quite incredible. And you've just reminded me, this is, again, not really for a podcast, but I'm saying it anyway, I've got some material to pass on to you, I think, from um, the the John Huff archive. Oh, so, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. it's all, all these, these connections. and stress. Now, I don't actually know the answer to this, and you may not know either. Did, did our dad's paths ever cross, or do they manage to avoid each other entirely, despite being so kind of ITC and 60s cult connected?
5: I don't, do you know, I don't know, but... I should imagine they would have. They would have mm. at some point. I can't imagine that they wouldn't have done. They were sort of completely at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, my mum might know. Actually, I should ask her and see if she 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 knows because she used to sort of work um, as Dad's secretary at the time. Yeah. Uh, she was working in the studio, so she she may uh, may uh, know the answer to that. Also, uh, as we're slowly going through the the archive, which is is taking a, a, an age.
3: Yes, um, I understand that.
5: We're discovering lots of uh, bits of uh, correspondence, so maybe, maybe we might mm. find something if we do. I mean, I found I found a, a letter the other day, uh, which was an, to his agent, and he said, "I'd really like to write a Doctor Who. Could you, could you get me in?" <laughs> this is, and I was like, "What? That would have been amazing." So I just, I had no idea about that, so that was cool. So, um, you know, we're finding lots of interesting pieces
3: as we go through obviously everything is on paper um yeah of course you know, we've got to digitize it all so, yeah. all, all analog well yeah no i i absolutely feel your pain i'm still i'm still scanning stuff you know all these years later so it's uh,
5: well i might uh, talk to you about that afterwards and maybe maybe give me some, give some advice and tips about uh, well yes that, this
3: amazing scanner behind me is a huge yeah. help i have to say anyway let's see we're gonna we're yeah. gonna keep going away from podcast worthy stuff but I, who cares so they just from a kind of growing up perspective i'm interested because again you know growing up with that building awareness of the famous father and the father's output how was that for 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 you um and i i might cut across you with like any, any parallels and stuff but
5: i think um yeah i mean obviously you know when you're a kid you don't know any any different until you do um until yeah. someone sort of you know you start realizing oh okay well dad's in the dad's in the film and television industry mm-hmm. and, and all the other kids dads are not in that industry and they seem to be quite interested in that and all oh, right so that this is something that's slightly you know maybe different or special or something i don't know but um And, you know, when I was growing up, you know, all his friends uh, that would come over for for dinner and stuff. And I suppose that's maybe that's why I was thinking about this recently, why I end up directing. Mm. Uh, I mean, you know, trained as an actor and I'm still obviously work as an actor as well. But uh, why I've moved into directing when we used to have um, like dinners and things and we'd have. You know, people like you know Ray Austin coming over, the director and stunt performer, and 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 John Huff and uh, yep. Bob Hughes. There will all be directors or writers, Richard Harris, you know, uh, Joanna Lumley. You know, like and you're like this is you know looking back on it, that's absolutely mental. But it is um, very
3: weird. Yeah, not, not a normal childhood, Sam. No.
5: But at the, <laughs> at the time, I remember you know we'd sort of sit at the table and you go, can I get, can I get down and go and you know watch a movie or something or go and do my own thing I would my brother might do that because he was a little bit younger than me but I would sit there and I'd sort of listen and I would mm. sort of listen to their stories and 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 all their banter and and sort of I suppose ended up hanging out with the adults a bit more than maybe maybe you might do at that age I don't know yep. but I, I felt like I could I could and they're all from different walks of life and I always felt I could sort of jump in and and uh, and talk to people from different um, areas, um, and I was learning. I did. I think that was the other thing, was that I just didn't realise that my dad was giving me an enormous education in film and television, mm. uh, just by proxy of being his son and yeah. watching things that he wanted to show us, and and we'd want to show him. We had a regular kind of, you know, I'd show him a movie, he'd show us something or whatever, and you know, and it was, it was kind of cool. And so I, you know, we'd go from things like, you know. I mean, back in the day, like Terminator Two, for example, <laughs> being, you know, wanting to show Dad that, and he was a huge fan of the first one. To him, showing me Harold Lloyd, you know, so the, the it would be so opposite or so far in history in terms of film history. Yeah, but you know, it was just a lot of fun. So yeah, growing up with him, um, with him it was just uh, he was you know he had such a, a vivid imagination, and I think mm. sort of ex- has mentioned him as being an ideas man. He just had so many. I mean, I'll give you a a very quick example. The last one that we we made is a short film called Surgery, which is quite a a rough little short. It's on on uh, my company, Take the Shot Films. It's on our YouTube channel, if anyone wants to watch it. But um, um, be warned, it's pretty rough. But uh, we wanted to make a a little horror because uh, we were going to do a feature at the time. And... um, and we wanted to prove that we could do it. And so we were like, well, it would probably be a good idea to do a short. And we were going to shoot it around where uh, our family home was, um, or is still, where they shot Noon Doomsday, the one of the episodes with Tara King. So we thought it'd have a bit of filmic history. And anyway, well, he says, we were like, we need an idea. And he was like, okay. And literally 20 seconds, and he pitched an idea. And that's Amazing. 80% of that idea is what is the film. He just was continually uh you know um, absorbing he'd read all the newspapers in the morning he just was a reader and I think it's because he was a child of the war and they yeah they <clears throat> out of out of um out of school um I think his mum and dad sort of said right they pulled him out about 14 because of the blitz and were like if we're going to die we're going to die together so and his I suppose his creative imagination was sparked by his uncle Horace uncle Horry who's got his middle name shares who would just come back and dump, you know, huge swaths of books at his uh, his feet. And they could be things from, like, literally engineering manuals to, (laughs) you know, Treasure Island. Yeah. uh, That he would just consume. He read so quickly. So I think he would always pick things that he liked from different stories and mesh them together. Um, And also being a a child of the war. And I think that that's what's interesting about uh, writers of that period as well. Is that there are really only about thirty writers that created the whole television industry of that period, and they were all jumping around each other's, uh, you know, Terry Nation, Dennis Spooner, you know, Richard Harris, uh, a plethora that I'm forgetting, obviously. Um, But being not having the visual medium as much and living in your imagination through the written word and through the radio, yes, um, and being a total, uh, I suppose a Uh, a reaction against uh, the horrors of World War II, this whole world of escapism and this sort of lighter, you know, uh, populist entertainment, uh, I think, was born. And um, I think we're going through something quite similar now where, you know, shows like, for example, Ted Lasso is is incredibly popular because it's very positive. And I think... We are in a similar place with this, uh, and and I don't think at the time maybe it, all this material was as revered or was revered. I think it was thought of as a bit, a bit of you know fodder or
3: you know a bit of fluff in a lot of ways. Isn't I, I suppose.
5: But When you look back, you kind of go, they really created so so much iconography. All these yeah. writers, you know, it's just in, incredible, and I think that so much of that is to do with their, their the sparking of their imagination by the written word and, and mm. by the radio.
3: It's it's amazing listening to you talk about it because obviously we're uh, we're in the final throes of the the, the documentary together uh, now about Dad's life That's and up. the the war era the inspiring figure in their lives um, you know the sort of uh, sensory deprivation sounds a bit harsh but to some degree yeah. the the deprivation and the the desire to climb away from that and find something different and brighter it's such such a well it's a direct parallel really with uh, with dad's experience so it's, Amazing, isn't it? it's, yeah.
6: Yeah.
3: it's great that so so much positivity came out of that so when you're absorbing all that through osmosis and kind of being surrounded by the exciting stuff you know just a casual dinner with john Lumley and all that sort of stuff as you do Sam, per- perfectly normal is that kind of generated in you the desire to to i don't want to say follow in his footsteps necessarily but to go down a similar path
5: yeah, I mean I think that it I think whenever your your family are doing a certain business wherever wherever the business is I think the mm. children end up obviously taking an interest in whatever that is or or, or whether they don't they, they come around to it or come back to it because yeah. it's it's impossible to escape in a way. And the thing is this industry is just so incredibly romanticized and alluring but um, <laughs> you know like why why wouldn't I? I mean really I knew that I wasn't particularly, um, academic at all. And, um, I, I, you know, when I, when I, I actually, um, we for our, our company, we've got, a, um, uh, someone coming in to do some work experience from my old school mm. who did film studies at school. I mean, film studies, I mean, like, you know, we, we, we did theater studies. And we have four people in it. You know, <laughs> quite anyone in the, in, in, in anything, um, artistic or creative, really, there was very, mm. very little. Whereas now there's obviously a lot. And, um, so I felt a bit isolated that I, the thing that I wanted to do was, was, and I didn't quite know what I wanted to do apart from obviously being a huge fan of things like Star Wars. I was like, I want to be a Jedi. How do I do that? <laughs> oh, I have to be an actor. Okay. Yes. Right, well, let's check that um, <laughs> and see what that is. And, and I was, I was a huge fan of, you know, I would say I was raised as much by movies as I was by my parents. I mean, mm. i so much of my, I suppose my moral compass and code was shaped by films and things that I was seeing. Yeah. Uh, and I, and the thing is, you know, we're, we're very sensitive about censorship nowadays, but my favorite film when I was all favorite films when I was like 10 were like Robocop Terminator and aliens. Right. Yeah. They're, and they're all like hard <laughs> 18s. Right. And, and and um, maybe, you know, it might be terrible. My dad will always just say, look, well, you know, you will watch something that will frighten yourself at some point and you will be your own sensor at some point, you know? So he didn't stop us uh, watching things. He always thought he would inspire things. Um, So I I, I had a freedom to watch pretty much whatever I wanted really, and learn from it um, and make my own decisions. And so when it became apparent, I I wanted to do something. I thought, well, I think like lots of people, their way into the creative industry is acting is is doing some form of performing. And I remember my dad coming to see me in a, in a school play of oh what a lovely war and saying right I'm going to I'm going to tell you tonight if, if I think it's worth you pursuing this <gasps> and, and like pressure. and like 13 <laughs> something or, or yeah. and I hadn't really given it any thought at all but that that I, that was the first time I felt some real pressure of yeah. uh, this is who my dad is. And he, he obviously is an expert in his field. Yeah. Well, I didn't think that, but just when it was applied to me, I was like, Oh God. Okay. And, you know, he was very complimentary and said, yeah, I think, I think you've, you've got something and you've got, you know, you, I think you should pursue it. And, uh, Oh, that's uh, great. Which was lovely. And then I went to drama school, went to the drama center in uh, London and uh, trained for three years and and came out and worked as an actor in lots of bits of theater and and TV and stuff. And, and, uh, and that's how I met, Nick Briggs and how my connection with Big Finish uh, because we did a play together of my yeah. dad we did a oh, amazing a, we did Holmes and the Ripper and, and Nick was playing um Sherlock Holmes and of uh, course you know, I was in it and then that sort of started that off but um yeah I and but I realized that I've moved into directing because I quite like I think the thing is when you're an actor you have no control over the product so mm-hmm you can be brilliant in something that's awful and it doesn't help you, but you can be awful in something brilliant and you can work forever, but you have no control over what's yeah. brilliant. So I just got fed up of, of, of being in, you know, lots of things that I thought could be better. So, uh, you know, and I remember I, I, um, I went, uh, I did a season at the, the Royal Shakespeare company as an actor and they had, um, uh, camera equipment there um, and that you could make short films while you were there. Cause you're in Stratford for a, a elongated period of time and uh, you would pitch these an idea for a short and then you would make it and they'd screen it at the local Stratford cinema mm. at the end of the season um, as a little bit of fun. And I, that blew my mind that you could pick up a camera, even though coming from the industry, because to me, obviously I think like a lot of people, you assume there's just so much money involved in making um, things. Um, yeah. and, and to be given a camera or it wasn't me particularly, it was actually a, a, a actor called Matthew Reese, who's quite famous. Now he's Perry Mason. Uh, he was Romeo when we were in Romeo and Juliet and he decided to make a film and I was in it and I was helping in the production side of it. And that just, that's really kicked off my, I want to make things myself as well. Yeah. And I don't want to wait for the industry to come to me. I want to go to it. And, um, and then obviously, all those years of watching films and things I, I kind of went back and looked at it from a slightly different perspective I was looking at it more from a story or a, or a or a character perspective but more from a how did they do that perspective. Mm. and um yeah and and so I hadn't ever planned on sort of transitioning from acting to directing it's just sort of happened but when I look back through my life I did do things at school and a drama school where I was sort of in charge of the thing and um or of the story. And I quite like doing that. And um, yeah. uh, and then writing, I've only started writing actually um, later, uh, all the films that I do, I write um, because mm-hmm. I know that I'm going to shoot them. I've only done that out of necessity, but I've started to enjoy uh, doing it. And yeah. um, we've got uh, two films that we've got coming up for our, our uh, with our film company. One is a, 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 an adaptation of one of our, uh, one of dad's plays, Strictly Murder, which we've called On the Edge of Darkness, which nice. has uh, been nice to, adapt it it's been really really interesting and then the other one is a western which is entirely just 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 me called fall from grace and it's been um uh, you know i think i'd resisted at all costs writing i was like i can't (laughs) do that like dad does that and i'm not even gonna i'm gonna (laughs) dip my toe in that pool but now that he's no longer with us i don't think that i I just think i I feel more confident that i can do it that i've obviously had enough osmosis of people around me telling me you know stories and about the industry and watching things to feel confident enough to to write something you know as well yeah. so yeah i hope that sort of answers that's a very long answer <laughs> to your question i'm very sorry
3: no but it's, it's fascinating it just again like the you know the the parallels and divergences between uh dads and our own lives i mean it's, it sounds like your your dad kind of encouraged you after that kind of that first play at 13 to to get on with it.
5: Yeah. Really? Yeah, he did. Yeah. And I think that, you know, in some ways, I think if he was because he was, you know, he was an older dad. He was 49 when he had me. So oh, um, yeah, and I was and I was the eldest, you know. So when I was of that age, about 18 or whatever, um, 17, 18, and, and about to go to dra- uh, drama school, we'd had like Bugs, which I'd been on the, the set of. Yeah. Uh, with Craig McLaughlin um, as a, a bit of work experience at about 16, yeah. 17. And then they did the new professionals, uh, which was uh, you know amazing for a young 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 you know young kid to go on and, yeah. uh, and meet Edward Woodward and all that stuff and, and see the level of production. But sort of when I left uh, drama school, um, Dad wasn't producing or making as much. Mm. I could maybe mm-hmm. I'm sure if he was doing the professionals uh, at the same time, I, I might have you know got a little part in it, which would have been nice. But. <laughs> in, it, it, actually I think it worked out much nicer because I had to really make my own way and actually I there's been no immediate benefit but when I was younger through, through being his son at all yeah. it, I was treated exactly the same and I'm really pleased about that it's only now in retrospect now that you know sadly it's like when an, an artist dies their work is now more revered isn't it and it's the same yeah of course of thing. And, uh, uh, people are treating you know some of his work with a bit more respect and it's coming back uh people are coming saying you know or could we do this or wouldn't this be nice to look out and And we're going well we don't know the rights to that but that's very nice (laughs) (laughs) yes i'm very familiar with that line sam (laughs) Um, but yeah yeah so yeah it's it's an interesting um it's an interesting place to be because i i i I, I, if he was younger i may i may have sort of had more of a foot in the door Mm. which i think the younger me would have wanted enormously but The older me, I think, has benefited much more through that not being the case and having to carve my own career out. out. Um, And I think I might not have direct, I might not be directing if that had been the case.
3: Yeah, actually, I would say that's very similar. So where, where our divergence is at 13, you've got the kind of you've got something. You should go and do that thing. I got... Uh, don't go into the career. It's full of unmentionables. And if you try and get in, I'm, I'm going to make sure every door's slammed in your face. You've got to go do something else. was dad's view. But then I went off and did very different things and then still came back. And it's the same. There was, you know, there's no, there's been zero direct door opening, but actually there's a there's a great benefit to that because you kind of, I don't know, you work harder, smarter, better for it. It's sort of, it's a very different approach That's to just, just being handed in, so...
5: And, and yeah. the thing is, I suppose. I mean, I should imagine, particularly uh, for for you, you can hear your dad in probably all of all of the. All, well all of them I should have North Thunderbird, Stingray, everything like that mm. you can just so it's a quiet there is there is something I don't know I feel this one do his plays or watch the Avengers or something there's just I, I sort of feel like he I'm still with him a little bit and I'm learning a little bit more mm. now with a wiser head on I can hear him and I can hear his humor and what what his <laughs> uh, voice is in it and what he's maybe you know taking the mickey out of here or something you know which is yeah. great fun. so I sort of always feel like he's around so I think it's you know I, coming back to for example like you know you're, you're you know the custodian of the whole of the anderson world Whereas you know um big finish from now um i'm producing the avengers and that's mm. been so nice to come back to it and yeah. that, it feels nice to come back to it because i sort of feel like i'm i
3: i can i can hear him a
5: little bit yes
3: it yeah it's a, it is a very very strange thing They they are there every day whereas i guess a lot of people you know when they lose their their dads or whatever then they're just they're not there, and there's no asylum. So we're very lucky in that way, I think. To yeah, that's have actually them being ever present.
5: That's I, 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 people ask me about it, and I I don't think I can go through an entire day without his name coming up or or some yeah. reference to to him. And I, and I think that if if you're not in the industry, maybe maybe that wouldn't be quite so much the case. Or if you didn't have you know someone that was as revered as, as or, you know as as a father or or, or mother yeah it might not be in your consciousness as much so it's hard you sort of can't you're not allowed to not that you want to forget them but you can't no, no exactly option. you have to celebrate them and, and not that i wouldn't want to but i think that's an interesting um place to be like i remember yeah. when when i don't know if this happened to you but when when um when dad passed away like within a day we were doing george and i were doing bbc interviews about. yes yeah and they're all coming into the house and you're in this yeah. bizarre place of I don't know, like a, like grief, but I don't know, like a, there's an elation to it. There's a, there's yeah. a, a catharsis that's going on. There's mm. a real bizarre twilight mm-hmm. celebration of this person. Yeah. But you're having to talk about it immediately. Yes. And you, like that they've gone, you're having to face that straight away, which is quite, um, I should imagine quite unique to people who have anyone that's, you know, got some sort of a public, it, uh,
3: person. Yeah. That's say, not it, it? But again, you know, it's like when you're a kid growing up with a dad like that, it's normal because you don't know anything else. And I suppose for this, it's normal, but it's actually yeah. quite abnormal. Yeah, I, mean, I certainly remember that the the, the evening of Dad's uh, Dad's passing, doing a Skype interview with Sky News at six six thirty in the evening, I and mean, that seems so weird now. I mean yeah very 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 strange anyway yes, this that we, we it's no it's lo- uh, it's lovely That's the, right, the, it's the lovely. famous dad's angle is is kind of cool but i'm afraid i must steer this slightly away from yours to That's mine sorry cool. yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but I, so I, I want to know sam about your earliest anderson connection because you know you've mentioned watching robocop terminator again which are funny enough the things that i watched with dad when i was far too young to be watching those things but you know in terms of the, the television side what and when were your your first exposures to Anderson?
5: I think what's interesting when I, I I've really been thinking about what, what was my first memory of, mm. of Thunderbirds, and it would have been Thunderbirds, and I, well, yeah. it was I remember. Yeah, um, Dad came home um, with uh, a toy or a couple of toys of Thunderbirds, well, Thunderbird One and Thunderbird Two, and I was like, "These are so cool! What are these?" <laughs> and I didn't know that they were connected to a series, and I used yeah. to play with them without any. Um, attachment to the series. Ah, I, that's to, cool. To begin with, I just like these are these cool spaceships and rockets, and I love and, they, and they're really <laughs> great. And then only, um, uh, well, slowly, I, I can't remember what, what what channel they were on, but uh, they were introduced to me when I was quite young. I think on on television, I can't remember which one. You you'll probably know exactly what they when, when it was um, aired. But and I remember seeing Thunderbirds, and then equating. Thunderbird one. I'm Thunderbird. That's what they're from. Oh my God. And <laughs> oh my God. It blew my mind. And, um, and I loved, uh, you know, because my, my mum for some reason, she had quite a few like maquette puppet things that she used to play yeah. with. She was a, a little girl and she kept them upstairs in like a, like pristine. And I'd always go up and sort of like want to play with them. Cause I thought they were so interesting that you could bring these things to life. And I was a bit rubbish with them, obviously, but I, was not <laughs> bad. But I Looking at um, Thunderbirds, um, that was sort of you know the realization that this thing can become this and yeah. and transcends all of the the wires and everything. And I just the story was so uh, fantastic and like absorbing and on such a huge scale. And, mm. and when I look at them now, because I, I you know I would only catch bits or episodes I wasn't um you know I wasn't regularly watching them it was sort of whenever whenever I I, I saw Mm. them whenever they were on they would they would suck me in and I'd watch the whole thing every single time Mm. Um, but watching them now is what I find so interesting is just the scope of them looking at them as a as a as a filmmaker just how how complex and difficult and how much skill was involved and and just how big they are in scope and how many movies Have have stolen sequences just directly from them. <laughs> yes, lots of We're just gonna <laughs> take that and do that with you know the, the real big crafts. Yeah. Um and and just not really realizing that and now realizing obviously that lots of filmmakers we've we would just to terminate like James Cameron obviously was a huge uh fan I should imagine sure yeah, and, and Nolan yeah. and all the people you know um that that, that we've you know are popular now. Um so yeah, that was that was really my my was the toys was the first the Thunderbird One Thunderbird Two I, I had those I think I think I still have them Amazing. <laughs> to hell probably <laughs> by the sun but I do have an old <laughs> toy box and you know, we've just not thrown with, with you know, He Man and Thundercats and Star Wars and nice all in there you know so um yeah yeah
3: that's very very cool that they came with you the toys so that that probably would have been BBC Two in the early nineties then would it have been for you.
5: Yeah, something like that. Or but we also now it could have been also um, at my nans because uh, and maybe my dad as well because we used to. I mean, we were were the children of the VHS, where we just record everything that's on TV and then (laughs) like you're just and and we watch that again and again. And I'm 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 pretty sure at my nans and this would have been when I was quite young. I would think that. it sandwiched in between something like half a sixpence, the musical and, and something else was, was the Thunderbirds. Um, <laughs> because, yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty sure that would have also been been the case as well. Um, but there Easy. would have been one, you know, earlier from TV. Yeah. It was exactly the same for me, um, was that I never really saw um, them in any order. Dad would just record them from TV. That was the same. I should imagine as anyone else. Uh, uh, yeah. In the whatever quality they were in or.
3: TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's. But i love that on the one hand that you've got you know robocop and terminator on the other, on the other hand you've got you know musical and thunderbirds it's quite a broad spectrum of um, it is. exposure I mean, to point,
5: they love musicals so you know a lot of the musicals <laughs> and then pavarotti and you know yeah it's yeah just i think you know we just liked the industry and like the and, and all the stories
3: irrespective of what genre they were in yeah you know? um, so you know. yeah a good a good engaging show is a good en- engaging show lovely chat lovely yeah. Sam more next Great. week I hope you enjoyed the sort of the dad chat it's kind of unavoidable um, yes of course it's interesting yeah you know we're sort of both in the same area in some ways so yeah, uh, that's anyway right. if you want to see what Sam is up to go to taketheshotfilms.com and you can find most of his stuff there oh nice uh, or uh, Josh Twain on Twitter
0: Ah, okay.
3: Yeah, go and find him there. Uh, So more Sam next week and other exciting interviewees in the pipeline. But for now, I might hand back to my colleague Richard James.
0: Oh, fair enough. Great. Well, we look forward to the second part of that interview next week. But in the meantime, uh, over on Twitter, Alan J. Porter uh, hashtagged us Gerry Anderson podcast to say, it's a good end to the workday when your final Zoom call of the day concludes with comparing UFO T-shirts and talking about skydiver models. Mm. Very important work meetings going on there Essential Meanwhile over on YouTube Well people of course are getting very excited For Standby for Action At the Birmingham Symphony Hall On the 16th of April Hosted by John Coleshaw Lawrence Allwright says Some of the best TV theme music ever written I still have no strings attached On 10 inch vinyl Clicks and pops like anything But still very stirring I hope they do the long version of Stingray With the vocal in the middle
3: Jamie I'm actually to be honest I'm not quite sure currently <laughs>
0: um, yeah, I think you have mentioned there is a choir involved at least well there are voices a choir ah. is a bit much <laughs> is
3: <it? Okay>. um, <laughs> yes but there we, we've got some vocalists in there so uh, yes nice. uh, more to be confirmed soon
0: Yes, uh, Peter Calcutt says, This event sounds fantastic. Will it be recorded and made available as a DVD or download for those fans like me who don't have a chance to attend in person? Lots of people asking this, of
3: course. Yes, lots and lots. Now, we are are currently working on that side of things. Uh, We will do our best to make it as accessible as possible, but uh, just at this stage, I can't make any guarantees...
4: No, a lot of hoops
3: to jump through, I would think. Yeah, and yes. so on. You, you wouldn't Gosh. believe how complicated it is. But obviously, mm. we don't want to just do this once and see, you know, see the sound lost forever as it passes. That's right. So we'll be That's doing right. what we can.
0: Yeah. Uh, Marcus Blackwell says, I kind of want a regular Broadway style musical too, one day. Imagine that. Jerry Anderson, The Musical. Well,
3: you'd be doing Joey Anton Ice if it was up to you, wouldn't you? So.
0: <laughs> exactly. That's right. Anthony Plum says, just booked my tickets. I got VIP seat C21. Which is nice. thought was quite appropriate. Isn't that great? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Ian Dealey says, great to hear another fantastic audio excerpt, uh, this time from Stingray in our last podcast. I think Jules de Young does a great job as Atlanta Shore. That the late Lois Maxwell would be proud of her. B-W-O-R. Yeah. That's nice. Isn't I, it? Do well love, done, I do love her Atlanta. It's gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, Simon Cressy has an idea for you. He says, uh, for next year's calendar, the explosions of Jerry Anderson have a community input in ranking the best explosions, <laughs> so all the shows will get a fair whack at the rankings and keep December as number one and keep it secret so people have to get the calendar to find out what number one was. This is the only podcast I listen to. I can't wait for Standby for Action. My parents got me the tickets as a birthday present as the 16th of April is my spawning day, which is oh, a nice way of putting it, isn't it? Nice. Yeah, yeah, all for now, I think. Uh, I've got some more comments on our last fab fact, but I'll read those out after the randomizer, I think.
3: Oh, really? You're saving the best yeah. for last, are you?
0: Yeah, that's right, as <sighs> ever. Well, we start with the best, might as well finish with the best. Okay,
3: ever. fine. Well, I think it is probably time for that randomizer then, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, hang on. Definitely.
3: I mean, if Chris is ready. No, no. What? Look, hey, it, what? Chris, is, Chris has just walked in.
0: What the? If that's Chris. Then who's the... That's...
3: Ooh, it must be Zelda. No! Take cover, Richard! It's time for the man
4: <laughs> Hey, interesting. It's a wonderful system. Oh, well, thank you, Dr. Kernitz. I'm glad you're impressed. As a fellow electronics expert, I thought you might appreciate taking a look. Yes. Uh, there is one thing. Oh, yes? Could I see it in operation? Oh, certainly. Yes, I'm sure you can figure out how to work it. Well... Let's get on with it. Switch on the primary circuits. That's it. That's all there is to it. I knew this system was the envy of the world, and now I see why. It's incredible. Well, yes, but it all depends on whether it gives us a good episode. I am certain it will. Well, let's see. Uh, what were you hoping to see from this, Doctor? Would it be possible to see an angel launch? Well, maybe not an angel launch. I can do you a supercar launch. Magnificent. Shortly followed by an even more exciting crash landing. A truly wonderful sight. Indeed, here's supercar. Good. Supercar! So. Welcome back to Supercar on the Randomizer. This is Crash Landing, an episode from near the end of the first season. Uh, in fact, I, I I understand some people believe this was the last episode of the first season to be made.
1: Engines charging at vol- so,
4: there's uh, a noteworthy episode, I, sh- I should think. We have here what seems to be a... Uh, a supercar launch sequence that looks like it's assembled from...
1: Professor, ready pilot, us opening now!
4: ...from bits of other episodes. This all looks and sounds... familiar. But then I've not long uh, finished re-watching the series on Blu-ray, so... Uh, that's, that could account for it, or they could have just uh, cobbled together a launch sequence out of existing footage. Well, Mike. I think we can consider the test that we have just
1: carried out to be satisfactory
4: uh, The incredibly uh, detailed and inventive test uh, that was carried out uh, off screen Oh! Hold it! Oh, everything's going wobbly Yeah, that was something that did happen occasionally in Anderson shows I was watching um, uh, Stingray the Cool Caveman recently And I noticed there's a whole sequence in there as they're looking for the uh, the lost um, radioactive tank thingy or whatever it's all pieced together for footage from previous episodes. Um for for about a minute. feet per minute. Anyway, we're not here to talk about stingray. We're here to talk about supercar and amazingly a bit on it has broken.
1: match. Oh no.
4: 2500. So yes, we're going to fire the air brakes. 500. Is it falling out of control? 500, 400, 300, 200. Fire. Oh. and Gould, wonderful voice, wonderful note of this is really happening in in Mike Mercury's voice. And uh, very decent for the time crash landing, actually. Uh, Part back projection, part wobbling the model, part actually pulling ferns and foliage past it to make it look like it's really hitting the ground.
2: My head's kind of dizzy.
4: How's Mitch? Oh well, there's nothing in there of uh, any consequence, Jimmy.
2: Say, Mitch, you okay?
4: Oh no, Mitch is uh. Jimmy, he's just a little scared. Better call the professor. I hope the radio seems a bit spaced out. Supercar to base, supercar to base,
1: supercar to base. Are you receiving?
4: Ah yes, because this was apparently such an important test. Popkiss cleared off to bed. Uh, which f- lends further credence to my idea that that launch sequence was uh, lifted from a previous episode. It, it
1: occurs to me that we are many thousands of miles from the laboratory.
2: Yeah, Dr. Beaker. It'll be night there.
4: Mm, precisely Jimmy. be. Makes me wonder why the hell we came all this way out here to do a... Yeah, what was it we were doing again? Supercar to base. Supercar to base.
6: Are you receiving me?
4: Oh, Popkiss is up. Oh, Supercar. Professor Popkiss here. I didn't
1: expect to hear from you so soon.
4: It's trouble, all right. I guess I thought you'd just take off and uh, never contact me again. Oh, Popkiss is heading for the console. Good thing we carry camping gear with us, Jimmy.
2: Mm. Yeah, Mike. I wonder how Dr. Beaker's getting along.
4: In that infinite supercar boot that uh, carries many things, including, very often, Mitch. Um, do hold that
1: light steady, Mitch.
4: Who at present is assisting Dr. Beaker with repairs to supercar. You fix
1: it, Doc. Yes, sir. Uh, for it
4: is now night time.
1: but it's slow work without daylight.
4: Again, I love the look of the Mitch puppet in the first series. Well... And he's getting distracted again. Oh, what's this? A very real danger. Please, Mitch. Yeah. It's a snake. Watch out for snakes. And it's a puppet snake. Uh, we saw some stock footage of animals earlier, but they uh, Evidently, they didn't have stock footage of a snake, but Mitch has spotted it. Stop it, Mitch. Oh, it's poking Beaker's legs. Will you stop it? Creeping up on his bottom. Oh, Mike's finally noticed.
1: It's
6: a snake!
4: A very unconvincing snake, but still could be potentially dangerous. Beaker, if you don't move, it might not strike. Mm. All right, Mike. Oh, sweat on Beaker's brow there. Mike's drawn his gun. The snake's not doing anything. I suspect it can't do much.
1: Careful, we're down with the
4: light a little, Mitch. We're not going to shoot it, are we? Oh. Keep dead still. Oh, no. <laughs> the snake's just wobbling around. Oh. Yep, dead snake. Oh, thanks, Mike. We'll eat well tonight.
1: Of this incident, it would perhaps Poor be... Poor snake. Uh, we await daylight. Good idea, Doc. Let's turn in. who's going to stand guard
4: that's a surprisingly uh, bloodthirsty act for this show I would have thought they'd just shoot near it and that might scare it off but no we've killed it poor Mr Snake anyway it's later everyone's gone to bed and Mitch is the man on guard with a big stick
2: you think he'll be okay out there keeping guard
4: you
1: must remember Jimmy Mitch is at home in the jungle.
4: And we gave him a big stick.
2: I hope so. Good night, Dr. Beaker.
1: Good night,
4: Jimmy. Uh, Beaker's already got his head down.
2: Sure, I'm glad that snake didn't bite Dr. Beaker. Good I'm the night, bum. Jimmy.
4: I also like with this show when Beaker is leaning over repairing supercar, which happens a few times. And the puppet has just got no bottom. There's just nothing between the very thin stomach and the very thin legs. Anyway, our man on guard has gone to sleep.
2: Help! There's a snake on my bed. My. What's oh. the matter? What do And this is a
4: fun sort of running running gag through this episode of.
1: Sheets are all over. Well,
4: firstly, I really like the uh, the dialogue here. The, the shots of all the characters in disarray. But yeah, just the shot of outside of the. Um, I guess it must have just, just have been a, a floor puppeteer putting their fist through the bottom of the uh, the tent and just bashing it around.
2: Guess I was just dreaming.
4: Oh my goodness, why do we even give you oxygen?
2: Gee, I'm sorry.
4: Shut up. Well, everyone's gone back to sleep. Or will try to, as Jimmy has ruined things yet again. But it woke Mitch up, and he's going to have a bit of a hunt round. As Beaker says, it's uh, familiar territory to him.
6: Mm
4: -hmm. (gasps) Oh, but something's watching him. And it is um, a very unconvincing pair of eyes on a a piece of black card Just kind of rolling around But the music tells us it's menacing Mitch is backing off And (laughs) he's been grabbed from behind and that has triggered... Dr.
1: Beaker! Jimmy, what is it this time? Oh, goodness gracious. Jimmy's
4: monkey alert.
1: Like this. You are ruining my beauty sleep.
4: Well, and yeah, I need a lot of it.
1: Peter. It is absolutely shocking. I should sleep in my own tent. In beauty. Jimmy, if
4: you do that <laughs> once again, I'll... But oh, oh, what?
1: Heard Mitch scream. I'm sure something terrible has happened to him. Oh,
4: well. Meanwhile, back at uh, Black Rock.
1: Ten o'clock. I expect Mike and Beaker are still asleep. Dawn is only just about breaking where they are
4: Popkiss has made him a lovely breakfast spread Good cook, Popkiss <laughs> Yes, I'm really going to enjoy
1: this base, super-
4: Oh, is this the episode where he keeps cooking himself food and
1: oh.
4: Gets called away oh. Happy, jolly, stock music I guess it's stock music It doesn't sound Barry Gray
1: It's the console half the night, and now no breakfast. Supercar (laughs) workshop.
4: Popkiss is peeved. Mercury calling. Are you receiving me?
1: Hello, Mike. Receiving you loud and clear. Oh, hello, Professor. Hey, we've lost Mitch. Jimmy and I are going to search for him. Oh, that's great news. Uh, Which one is Mitch again? Going to try and find something to eat, too. We haven't got any supplies left, and we're getting kind of hungry.
4: you still have Jimmy?
1: How you feel?
4: Dr. Beaker. Oh, poor Popkiss.
1: You carry on with Supercar while we're away. I'm just coming, Mike. I I was looking for my hat. I can't find it anywhere. Well, never mind the hat, Doc. Let's get going.
4: (laughs) Yes, you've got your bow tie on. That's really all you need. And this is a nice uh, jungle set in this episode. And this is something the Super Nation shows did quite well, uh, jungle settings. The the series, Supercar specifically, had already done one in uh, Amazonian Adventure. And there must have been several other episodes where, what is Beaker wearing? He just wrapped a towel around his head. That's interesting. Yes, where they uh, really just pull in trees and, and bits of foliage. But if you get enough of it in front of the camera, not only does it look convincing because it's real, uh, you can create a nice sense of geography. Unfortunately, or, or perhaps, you know, realistically, um we are surrounded by a lot of stock footage of animals. And there's Beaker's non-existent bum again. Oh, Satisfactory, most satisfactory. Mike, Ooh. look,
2: crocodiles.
4: A specifically stock footage of crocodiles. We don't suppose anything, Jimmy, come on. Or I feed you to it.
1: Yes, everything appears to be in order.
4: And no. now I fly off and leave those twerps uh, to their own devices. Myself. Come along, Beaker.
1: Say, Mike,
2: can you hear what I can hear?
4: Only your whining little voice, Jimmy. He must be running up the engines himself. Oh. That could mean trouble. <laughs> Nobody's got any confidence in Beaker's ability to do anything.
1: 15,000?
4: Oh. Fire
1: one.
4: Uh-oh, yes, he's uh firing the engines, not quite realizing that he's firing them onto a tree which is very close to supercar.
1: Mike, look at that tree. <gasps> it's
4: on fire. Beaker,
1: stop. No, don't worry, Mike. All is well.
4: <laughs> I love Beaker, but I especially love when he's completely oblivious to what he's doing. Uh, it's always fun when, uh, as great as he is at solving problems, it's even more fun sometimes when he's the cause of the problems. And she certainly has been this time because that's it. The tree's coming down. Right on top of supercar.
1: Oh, I see. Now who's a fool?
4: Ah, more popkiss breakfast. Food at last. Yes, I would say that's just about right to eat now. Sausages and some bread, but of course. Oh no. He's even got a little pinny on, aww. Uh, Professor. I sympathize with Popkiss in this episode. People, he just wants to eat food and I can relate to that. People keep calling him up and pestering him for things he can't really do anything about.
1: as you say, Beaker, if you're in any doubt, it would be better that I fly supercar from here and should there be any fault, no one will get hurt. Mike? Yes, Jimmy? If supercar is okay, then what? Don't worry, Jimmy.
4: We won't leave until we find Mitch
2: supposing we can find
4: him Mike. well then we'll just have to leave you here until you find him oh that's it, supercars up I love that huge walkie talkie that they have in this show when they're uh, calling the console change to horizontal flight roger Mike, here she goes and meanwhile what's happening with uh, Popkiss's sausages while all this is going on and that, that bacon and eggs he cooked earlier, uh, we got a close-up of it, and it looked uh, very real and very tasty. And I'm actually quite hungry now, <laughs> which is uh, unfortunate because it's mid-afternoon. Uh, maybe I'll have some bacon and eggs later. Anyway, we're now... Why are we... This seems like a bit of a detour, really. Supercar's damaged. Oh, no, wait. It's actually okay.
1: Most satisfactory. Uh, uh, Mike, ask old Popkiss to take her through the sound barrier. <laughs> if she stands up to that, she'll stand up to anything.
4: And and will also uh, kill some time.
1: He reckons that'll be a good test. Roger,
4: Mike! Uh, yeah, did we just have some shots of supercar with no one at the controls that we really needed to put in an episode? No, oh, well, I guess we did. Anyway. It's now diving towards us like an explosion. That'll be supercar breaking through the sound barrier, or crashing into us.
2: Course, go through the sound barrier and supercar.
4: Yeah, but not when she's being flown from the ground like this. Oh, there it is. Scared all the stock footage, or oh, particularly some yeah, elephants. To
1: be fine, Mike. Uh, uh, tell old Popkeys to bring her down. I think we can claim success.
4: Uh, just like we claimed success earlier uh, and then fell out of the sky.
1: Right, Mike. Bring her in for vertical landing.
4: Oh, the elephants are coming this way.
1: Hey. Hey, Mike. What's that noise?
4: <laughs> oh, Beaker's has, Beak has seen them. His eyes are wobbling backwards and forwards.
1: Mike, it, it, that bag! It's caused a herd of elephants to stampede. And they're coming this way.
4: Professor, bring the supercar quickly. We're being charged by a herd of elephants.
1: Right, Mike. But Mike.
4: Pupkiss is just going along with everything.
2: What about Mitch? He's around here somewhere, and he may be
4: killed. Yeah, but what are we going to do? If we stay here, we get killed, and I'm volunteering you go first. Don't. Change of plan. Professor, take her up again, quick.
1: What are you doing, Mike?
4: They'll be on you in a moment. What about my sausages, Mike? Beaker, I want to aim. So- oh, they're making real good use of this stock footage. These elephants are very, very slowly approaching us.
1: Two four zero degrees. I heard that diving two four zero degrees.
4: I no, no, it's too late. We've been flattened. Scare them off. Ah, here comes Supercar again. Oh, oh, there's an elephant. There's another elephant very close to the camera now. I'd like to know where a lot of this stock footage comes from. I suspect it's possibly the same source as uh, the animal footage that you see at the start of Pit of Peril. Anyway, that's driven the elephants off.
1: So that was another
4: piece of... Um, again, it's it's another sort of sidetrack. Cul-de-sac. That That's the word I'm looking for. Cul-de-sac. Um There were some elephants stampeding And now they've gone again And Supercar is back
1: Mike, She's down, switching off remote Roger Professor, hand out
4: Oh, here it comes Something is burning Could it be the remote control unit? Oh, oh no, not again Yeah, I, I think at this point I'm more invested in the plight of Popkiss well, Not getting any food uh, than I am with... A herd of elephants, and we succeed in repairing supercar With the uh, the rest of the supercar
1: team. Mitch. Um, uh, Mike, I feel uh, that if we don't find Mitch uh, by midday tomorrow, I'm afraid we'll have to leave without him. Uh, Jimmy, I mean.
2: We just can't do that. not we'll leave him all alone in the jungle.
4: Jimmy, you're quite a big boy now. This is actually a nice... Uh, a, a nice angle to the story Well maybe he's decided to stay Very well handled I think by the voice actors
2: I know he wouldn't
4: Kind of forcing Jimmy to face the fact That With the dangers of the jungle and our lack of supplies That Mitch is a jungle animal This is where he belongs We've no idea why he isn't out here to begin with
1: be Here with or without Mitch Tomorrow noon Come on now let's get some sleep
4: And also they have to ask Jimmy to sort of You know be, be brave be Mature. Um, unfortunately, of course, this is Jimmy. And uh, if there's one thing he's proven himself to be repeatedly, not just in this episode, but the entire series,
1: no, it's, hey, Beaker, what is it? it's an
4: absolute waste of space liability. Here we go again.
1: Hey, hey Jimmy! Oh, Jimmy! Speak up, Jimmy. Oh, what is I, it? Do find out what Wake up, you
4: <laughs> I, I, I suspect a lot of this dialogue from Beaker and um, Mike is ad-libbed, but I, I do like the occasional threats you, you can hear in the dialogue. If you don't do this, so help me, I'm gonna. Are they stabbing pains?
2: Yeah, Doctor Beaker.
4: Oh, that's all right. It's just my voodoo doll finally taking effect. Yeah. Yes, Jimmy is now pretending to uh, have stabbing pains and uh,
1: neck feels
4: stiff. all sorts of aches and pains and...
2: Uh... Yeah. yeah, my neck.
1: Oh,
4: oh, dear.
2: I can hardly move it.
1: Just lay still, Jimmy. Breathe deeply and try to sleep. What do you think's wrong with him, Doc? I fear, Mike.
4: The He's Jimmy a big, stinky, me. cheating
1: faker. The dreaded bericana, <gasps> rare tropical disease
4: that I just made up to scare him.
1: No, Mike. On no account must he be moved. I'll give him something to help the fever and hope that he can
4: sleep. Well, how many nights have you guys been out here now? It seems like it should be... Well, this should be the second night, but it feels like you've been longer considering how often Jimmy's uh, ruined everything. I
1: fear so, Mike. Hey, what's that noise, Dr. Beaker? Mike! Uh, Mike! Oh That is a very rare sound. Quick, Mike! Switch on the tape recorder! What's going on, Doc?
4: Why did we bring a tape recorder into the tent with us, Doc?
1: Monkey mating call. Look, Doc, the only ah. monkey we're interested in right now is Mitch.
4: Mitch. Yes, this is coming up on an interesting element of the story, which we'll talk about when we uh, actually reach it.
1: Could well be, Jimmy.
4: Meanwhile, Jimmy rest and don't get is wide awake.
1: Doctor Beaker,
2: I'm okay. I just want to find Mitch, that's all.
1: You're gonna stay right.
4: And he's about going. to confess his uh Remember, and you're not leaving this tent. his but naughty behavior. Jimmy?
2: Oh Mike, I guess I'll have to tell you. I'm not sick at all. I was just pretending.
4: Pretending?
2: I just couldn't leave him by.
4: Pass me the gun, Mike. It's time we put him down. I can't believe that Jimmy actually got away with that. Hey, naughty.
1: Mike and I will go out and look for Mitch. And you, Jimmy. Yeah, Dr. Beaker. Uh, you... Oh, you better come
6: with us.
4: Uh, we need someone to walk up front uh, to absorb any uh, gunfire or or spears or uh, snake bites, and uh, you would seem ideal for the purpose, my dear fellow. Yes, here we go. Um, we have found. Well, we found Mitch. Oh,
1: Lark. I wouldn't have believed it
4: possible finding
1: a young lady in the jungle.
4: Yes pretty cute too. Come on. Uh Mike, Mike, you've been away from human women for far too long. Uh go and go and go and meet one. Yes, um Mitch is reclining in a hammock, smoking a cigar and being tended to by a lady monkey. Now, this brings me to a uh, a fairly significant point, I feel, a fairly significant question. And I'm going to try and word this as as tactfully and, and delicately as I can because I'm aware this is a family podcast and i have no wish to lower the tone
2: mitch am i glad so, to see you we've been looking all over for you
4: is this the only episode of any jerry anderson show where it is absolutely confirmed that two characters have had uh have had uh relations um of, of the intimate nature um because we know earlier that was the monkey meeting call. And there's Mitch the next morning um, reclining and being, uh, being tended to by his lovely lady. And I think, I genuinely think, this absolutely is the only episode where that is confirmed to have happened. Even into something like Space Precinct. Now we're all going back to Super. You know, where there is a lot of like snuggling in bed together, but it's never absolutely confirmed that this has happened in the course of an episode. They could just be snuggling. But here, I think it is absolutely crystal clear that Mitch has, um, well, has achieved what no other Anderson character has uh, has apparently done on screen.
2: Bye, Mitch.
4: If you can think of any other candidates for that, that honour, uh, do please let me know. Anyway, I've waffled all over the supercar team weighing up whether they should... Uh, Leave Mitch behind. They've chosen to leave him, but unfortunately, well, no, not unfortunately, because I like Mitch, but he has chosen to abandon his his lady love and uh, return to Black Rock with them because you know it was a one night thing. He's used her, and now he's he's uh, getting away from her as fast as he can. And I do, I do actually like the look of the female monkey. And the very sad wave she gives him as he, as he leaves. As
1: hungry as I am.
4: Anyway, everyone's back at base. You
2: think Mitch is upset having to leave his girlfriend in the jungle? Well,
1: I would have thought so, Jimmy. But I must say, he doesn't appear to be upset.
4: Oh. Almost as if...
1: Sounds like the roof doors.
4: He uh, somehow knew that he would see her again. It's
1: the roof doors. But it can't be. There's no one
6: else in the building. <gasps>
4: Or is there? Yeah, here's some more reused footage of uh, th- controls and lights, things going haywire in the control room, which is reused from, I think, the end of the very first episode where Mitch is on the loose in there. Come on, quick! So who could that be? Who could have uh, infiltrated Black Rock like this? Well... There's only one person, aside from Master Spy and Zarin, there's only one person that I can think of who Gracious! would have the the drive Come to life on its own! and the desire to want to do this. There she is. (laughs) Mitch's Crumpet. (laughs) Oh no. Oh, this yeah. is where I came in. Well, while Mitch catches up with his lady, no doubt um, off to do whatever it is that monkeys do. That brings us to the end of Crash Landing, and um, uh, I I feel that is a you know possibly a decent story for a fifteen minute episode. Uh, unfortunately, this is a twenty five minute episode, so you kind of have it stretched out at points. Uh, particularly with things like the Elephant Stampede A story by Jerry and Sylvia Anderson Okay, that's a rarity to see on the credits um, Yeah, you never really feel that they're in any great danger The The main driving force is Will we find Mitch? And of course, when we find him That, uh, well, that, that boosts the uh, the interest a bit I think there's, that's a, a very strong element introduced for the adults there So, yeah, a decent episode of Supercar Not one of the greats And if you'll excuse me I'm off to have some bacon and eggs. Aww. Maybe some sausages too. Supercar!
3: Uh, now, well, featuring our very own Richard James slash Mike Mercury.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yes, exactly. i still got that picture somewhere. Uh, now, of course, every time I hear a Jerry Anderson theme now, I'm thinking, hang on, are we going to hear that? Yes. In April. You are going to hear Supercar. Amazing. And I can say
3: there's definitely a bit of incidental music from Supercar as well, which is very... Cool. Uh, now that's enough of a clue for me. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Come on. Come on. I, I feel like I'm nice. giving away too much, but I I'm just know. too excited. I
0: know, but we've got to hold stuff back, otherwise, you know, people will know everything before they turn up, and we don't want that, do we? No. no okay. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, I'll, I'll hold right. back then. No, no, okay. Yeah. Good. Good.
3: good. Uh, anyway, thank you, Chris. And yeah, thankfully, thanks, Chris. Mysterious Zelda has now <gasps> disappeared. I hope she doesn't oh. come back because that was pretty terrifying. Absolutely wasn't it, is That as
0: standing there throughout the whole of the rest of the podcast. I know. We thought it was Chris the whole time. It's creepy. Nightmare.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, look, we better wrap this thing up. Well, have you got some uh, comments about fab yeah. facts or something?
0: Well, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So every week, uh, the, you know, we post our fab facts segment for some reason up on uh, YouTube, and for some reason, it seems quite popular. Lots of comments under it every week. Uh, this one, for example, C J. Marshall. I think this. Yes, he's uh, commenting on the uh, the fact. I think it was it last week or the week before about uh, lead characters and actors being employed for a series only to be bumped off halfway through to great surprise from the audience. Yes. Yeah, CJ Marshall says uh, Alfred Hitchcock actually managed to beat Jerry to the punch a few years earlier of course with Psycho Remember that Janet Leigh was the main character for about half the movie and then she decided to take a shower Bad idea Yes, she was a, a big star in the day yeah, uh, the But that is a, was used... that's a film yep. though That's a film, yeah, yeah, not a yeah. series well, okay. He goes on to say the technique was used to great effect as a running gag in the Police Squad television series but mm. again that's the early 80s At the beginning of each episode the narrator would announce tonight's guest star yeah. and name the actor who would immediately be killed never to be seen again So Absolutely. yeah Absolutely 80s 80s much later M. Leo Darda says a more recent entry for this idea would be the detective show Death in Paradise coming pretty much up to date here I don't know if you get this worldwide but it's a UK detective series set in the Caribbean uh, where the original main character is murdered in one episode and then his replacement has to solve the murder um, I thought Jamie that perhaps you should have had a massive name as co-host for the podcast in pod one only to have them die during recording and I take over <laughs> after that, that could have worked a bit late now <laughs> uh, and finally, Colin Patterson. This is a bit of a plaintive plea, actually. He says you two should stop being horrible to the Secret Service.
3: I don't think never. we're bold to the Secret
0: no. Service, are we? No, no, no. No, we're not. No, we love the Secret Service. It's a bit of a lost gem. That's what I think. You know, those that know it know it and love it. But many people have never heard of it. If you haven't, seek it out. The Secret Service is really worth a watch.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 it's, it's, it's peculiar. It's quirky. It's, uh, yes, it's yes. odd. But, yeah. It is. No, yeah. oh, it's
0: great. That's all right. So am I. Well, I've got <laughs> <light> a on it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah, yeah.
3: Oh, right, OK.
0: Is that it? Are we done? Uh, yeah, I think that'll be it for now, yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. thank goodness yeah. for that. Right. Um, it's
0: a bit like the news about the concert. We've got to keep stuff back,
3: yes, haven't we? Yes, so of course, let's yeah. give them
0: no more now. You, you just Never wait have until you hear
3: 194 <laughs> Oh, you
0: wait. Yeah. Oh,
3: you, yeah, exactly that. OK, well, we better come have up with something a, now.
0: Ha, have you got any plans for that one No, no, we'll come up with it oh, later. Oh, oh okay. shh. Anyway, uh, thanks
3: very much for listening to Pod 193, which is going to be not Mm. as good as Pod 194, so if you enjoyed this, you'll enjoy that even more, probably, maybe. And um, we'll see you next week, Podstron. Yes,
0: (sighs) you've set the bar quite high now, haven't you? Right. Good luck, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Stage one
2: complete. Let's go.
3: Yeah, what would be a real shock twist for this uh, podcast?
0: A shock twist, what, for, for 194 or for 193? The shock no, twist for, for all that, I think it's, like, the shock twist... it's like
3: now, is we decide it's a halfway point, and it's like the equivalent of killing the main oh. star. Oh, well, that's we, easy.
0: What, we, we get what, rid of fab facts.
3: What? Uh, that was me thinking no? you'd have a serious idea oh, and, perfectly and, serious. and would be a serious creative con- contributor to this <laughs> podcast, Richard. But, oh, <laughs> oh, no, he's got to go for me, Fab that's, Facts.
0: You know that's not why I'm here, Jake. Straight in
3: the Fab Facts. How yeah. rude. <laughs> Ouch. Sorry. Well, I'm
0: wounded. But, mm. um, yeah. but another shock twist? I don't know. I, how about this? A shock twist would be, from now on, Chris Dale does the entirety of the podcast – except we do the randomizer. Amazing.
3: Okay, done. Hmm? I'll get I'll get him. a call straight onto his agent. Absolutely. Maybe that was his agent earlier on. Oh, Zelda. Zelda. that would explain a lot. Yeah. Mm. Okay, maybe it I won't certainly ask explain his agent. How he got
0: a bigger fee than me.
3: That's, that 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 yeah, makes su- sudden sense now, doesn't it? Okay, well I'll, I'll I'll put a call in and if I'm not here next week then um, negotiations didn't go well.
0: No. Good luck with that. Uh, okay.
3: Bye. Bye. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast. Wasn't it fun?
0: You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment Production.